Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries. And I am Eddie Quinones. And everybody, welcome our league champion, Scott, to the podcast. Say hi to everyone, Scott. What's up, guys? How are you? Doing I'm well. The, ch- the champ is here. Uh, yeah. First time making your your live podcast debut thanks for sending in that clip last week with the interview questions but we're totally happy to have you on live for the first time scott thanks for joining us no problem been dreading it now for over a year since last time you asked me but you know i'm here yeah. hey it won't be the last time that we ask you so this is good practice for the next time the next title that you win yeah um, right we'll see so this is our 18th episode of the 2021 season, the final episode of our 2021 fantasy football season. So this will be our season recap episode. We're going to start the show off with the championship week recap, and we'll kick it off with the championship game itself. This one was a blowout between Thundercats, the number one seed, uh, and my team, Otis and the Bell Cows, the number two seed. The final score was Scott putting up, and we'll talk more about this later, but a league record all time, 238.1 points to my measly 150.46 points. Uh, toss it to you first, Scott, since you're the man that walked away as champion. What surprised you about this matchup? Yeah, well, honestly, the final score. I mean, I think that would be everyone's answer. Uh, I don't put too much stock in projected points, but they, to me, they have weight, and I do use them as a guide. I believe, Nate, what you were projected, 174. And I myself yep. was 159. Mm-hmm. I felt mine was a little on the low side and we were more evenly matched, but still regardless, I thought Nate, you actually had this matchup. I had uh, four key areas in my lineup that could have gone a completely different way. That was chase. Of course, when he was dropping that 55 St. Brown, he went for 35 uh, DK establishing himself again. And uh, Chicago's D mm-hmm. I think lamb Chubb, and waddle did what they have been doing and cup and Taylor were more on their, uh, they were on that low side of their season averages. Mm-hmm. And this would have been a better matchup in my opinion, but yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate for the final outcome. Uh, several weeks ago, uh, Nate, you and I, we texted, we were talking that I was hoping it was more of a close matchup. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you remember that. Yep. Um, I didn't want like one team to blow out the other one. And, and that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, it's all right, Scott. I mean, you you dropped 200 points plus in back-to-back weeks, so obviously Not just that, team... 230 points plus in back-to-back weeks. Two, I think it was actually yeah. 235 plus. Yeah. You could just raise so. that bar even higher. <laughs> just keep going in up. back-to-back <laughs> weeks, yeah. Uh, you said it best, Scott. Um, Jamar Chase was really the highlight for me. He alone fell 0.2 points short of outscoring the combined total of Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Jalen Waddell, and CD Lamb to four heavy hitters on my team. Uh, two of them that you could maybe make an argument for fantasy MVP overall, Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, not those four guys, it, it took all four of them to get 0.1 points over just Jamar Chase. So that was kind of the, the surprising part of the matchup for me. Not necessarily that Jamar Chase popped off, but that my heavy hitters couldn't even or barely outscored just one guy on your team. So, Eddie, go ahead, Scott. Did you have anything to add? No, I just think we were more evenly matched than what I was able to produce. Yeah, I like your point on the projected points. I was going to say, I like your point on the projected points, too, because I thought ESPN 
predicting a 15-point swing was totally off. I thought that your team should have been projected around the same points as my, maybe I like I don't I wouldn't necessarily say that my point my projected points were too high, but I definitely thought that yours were too low. Like I think top to bottom your your lineup was better than mine, so I didn't understand a double-digit projection difference between our lineups. Yeah. It's so, a good point there. Eddie, what what about yeah. this matchup surprised you? <laughs> I think just the point differential between the two teams and the final uh, like Nate, your team had a pretty admirable day. Like it wasn't a horrible day, like 150 fantasy points in the regular season could normally get you a win usually against anyone throughout the regular season. Um, and it just so happened that Scott's team actually absolutely blew up, you know, obviously St. Brown 35 chase 55 uh, Metcalf with a season high of 30.9, the bears with a, I think their second highest scoring uh, game all year. Uh, so he had a lot of guys really pop off. And one of the guys that actually doesn't surprise me at all um, is DeAndre Swift. We had a conversation about him after the podcast, because obviously, like I said last week, I don't want to mention it during the podcast. But to be honest, that was like one of the points in, in your in your lineup, Scott, that really worried me the most going into the weekend, just because coming right off of injury, I just didn't know how much he was going to play. Um and I had mentioned, you know, I, there's some guys that can make up that slack, and they obviously made up that slack and some. So, yeah. <laughs> and then some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scott, were you worried about Swift at all? I mean, no, you don't really I have wasn't. good running backs behind him, but. I actually thought you were talking about Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's another, yeah, that's another candidate. For yeah. sure. He came alive at the right time, man. Third, yeah, I mean, it's did. not yeah. like it would have mattered if Metcalf put up zero. You still would have beat me by. 50 plus points, but he definitely, you love seeing guys come alive in the championship round. That's, yeah, that's what you hope for in, in a championship yeah. game. Uh, so we've been talking about this blowout. The next question I have, and I'll answer this last because obviously I'm the guy in this place. If you were destined to finish in second place, would you rather keep it respectable or close throughout the matchup and barely lose? Or would you rather absolutely get crushed? Eddie, what do you think? I'd rather get throttled. At that point, I want zero hope going into Monday at that point. If I know that I'm going to finish second place, I'd rather just get it over with after the one o'clock games and be happy and go on about my day, my weekend. I uh, I would not want to go into Monday being down 15 points and having a guy in your in your flex position that needs 15 points. I'd just it'd be fun. Don't get me wrong. But like if I if I knew I was going to fall short, I just wouldn't want to go through that entire process. So. Scott, what do you think? If you were if you were the one that finished second place, would you rather get crushed like you did to me, or would you rather have it look more like Kevin and Nick's matchup, or is just super close? Beat it, you couldn't pull it out. It, I mean, I was I was hoping for a closer outcome, and I went back and forth with this. Um, if I was going to lose, I don't mind being completely crushed as long as I know I made all the correct calls with my starts. If there was nothing I could have uh, done different, then yeah, I'd rather see myself and my team get completely obliterated. Sure. But obviously, for fantasy purposes, it's more enjoyable when two teams, when they go back and forth, you know, like a dogfight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on, the, I'm on the same page with you guys. Exactly. Like for me personally, it's always more fun to watch a razor thin matchup unfold. But if, if in the end I lose, I would have rather not wasted my time being excited and anxious. So if I was, de- if you're telling me like the way I phrase the question, if I'm destined to take second, I would definitely rather get blown out uh, like I did this past week. So the last question I have related to this championship matchup, Scott, the, tr- the trophy is coming to your place next. Once yeah. I get it from Damon, I, I already ordered the name plates. So we could put it on 
Scott Humes, Thundercats, 2021 league champion. Where do you plan to put the trophy once you get it? I, I have a shelf. They're above four aquariums. So I'm going to uh, display that up there. Mo- Some of my cats actually don't knock it over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Display yeah, it proudly, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am. It's yeah. I I know you haven't seen it in person yet, Scott. It's a sweet trophy. It's big. It's, it's heavy. Yeah. It's it's a yeah. it's a sweet trophy. So you're yeah. gonna really enjoy it. That's um, awesome. let's get into the other matchup for championship week. It was our third and fourth place matchup between Auto Rocket, the three seed, and Randy Marsh, the four seed. This was a complete opposite of Scott and I's matchup. Final score was Kevin one hundred forty three point three eight points to Nick's 143.18 points. Literally a 0.2 point difference in this matchup is what bagged third place for Kevin in a $50 payout, kind of recouping his buy-in. So, Eddie, I'll ask you first on this one. Do we sense a little bit of a foreshadowing for next year's championship with Kevin being the second first-year manager in a row to take third place? Now, I, I know I messed up saying this on last week's podcast. I said Nick beat Scott. In third place matchup last year, Scott was actually the winner of that matchup. In his first year, he took third place. Kevin, in his first year, took third place. Do you think Kevin might win a title next year, following kind of Scott's storyline, Eddie? I think he's got a shot. I think if he, I mean, if he drafts pretty similarly uh, next year, the way that he did this year, there's a couple pieces in his lineup that obviously he drafted that could have kind of been fixed, or he could have gotten some better pieces uh, where the value was at at that time. Um, but I think if he, if he continues the trend that he's on and he obviously makes, he stays active throughout the, the year, I think he has a very good shot of kind of foreshadowing. Obviously it's going to be kind of like a little bit of a tall mountain to climb because you got a couple other guys <clears throat> on top of him that have kind of proven themselves to be champions or have been to the championship before. So I think it's a little bit of an uphill battle, but I, he definitely has a chance coming into next year. Yeah, I'll chime in. I'm going to say, I don't think so. Cause obviously there can only be one out of 12. I don't think so, because if you remember last year, Scott was kind of in the position that I was in this year, where there was a clear-cut favorite to win it all in front of him, but he seemed to be the kind of clear-cut 1B. Like last year, we were thinking my team was the favorite, but Scott also had a kind of a, a team in a tier of its own right behind me. This year, that was flipped. Scott's team was the cl- kind of clear-cut favorite, <laughs> and I was right behind him. Um but in other words, Scott had a he's had a championship caliber roster for two years in a row. Even if he didn't win it last year, it was championship yeah. caliber, in my opinion. I think we would all agree that while Kevin did a great job finishing top three this year, that his roster this year was not championship caliber. So I think he certainly could win a title next year, you know, similar to Scott's timeline of third place in year one, title in year two. I just wouldn't call it destiny or I wouldn't kind of bet on it yet. Yeah. What are you thinking, Scott? Uh, I don't know Kevin's history with fantasy, um, and I don't know what the previous years has presented in terms of newbies coming in and establishing themselves as a strong competitor. I mean, going back, Kevin, I, I, he had a decent draft. I think he made moves he needed to, do, needed to make. He was active. He was competitive. Everything you want to see in a new owner in a very competitive league. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think he can give us a run for our money. Yeah. I think that the key for Kevin, which – I don't know, maybe I'm, I might sound biased here, but he made one trade this year, and it was a pretty kind of small potatoes trade. It was me sending him Kendrick Bourne for Greg Joseph, so really an inconsequential trade. I think 
and maybe he doesn't feel this way, but maybe he got kind of a cold water to the face of like, hey, I don't like trading in fantasy, but I might have to do this to keep up and, and kind of get myself to the top caliber of teams. I might be biased, but I just think that that is probably the best recipe to keep yourself successful over multiple years. I think if anything, this league has proven with how competitive it is, like you need to trade to win. I don't like it's it's very hard to win in this league if you don't trade and try to make your team better every week. Um, I know, like outside of this league, I speak to like my fiance's family, and they're in leagues where they charge five dollars a trade. They never trade throughout the entire league, and I think about it, and I'm sitting there like. That would be so boring to not yeah, trade at boring. all, all year. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it, it proves here that like throughout the year, the more you trade, usually the better your lineup is going to be. Obviously there's some exceptions to that, but for the most part, most of our champions have, have traded a decent amount to get the teams that they've gotten. So even Scott who had literally the greatest fantasy draft I've ever seen in any sport in any league ever this year still made, I, I don't know how many trades you made. Scott is probably, between five and ten, right? Yeah. Yeah. Five or six. Six yeah. maybe. Yeah. Something like that. I got so extremely you... lucky in my draft though. I really did. I mean Debo Samuel. I, I've been yeah. high I've been high on Debo for a couple of years though. I just didn't pull the trigger, but that's a I think it was easy. It wasn't easy to see Debo's success coming, but he's shown flashes in the past. I think obviously the way that he played this year is a little bit of a different story, but still I, that's still a great pick regardless. I was I going think my, to uh, Mixon and Swift were fourth and fifth round. I mean, I, I yeah. got extremely lucky for that. I, re- I really did. Give yourself some credit, Scott. Yeah. I mean, it, for that many hits, it, you do have to have a knack for some finding knowledge. players that are going to yeah. break out. But I was looking at the draft recap today when I was prepping for the podcast, and I saw that I took Antonio Brown one pick before you took Jamar Chase, and it just absolutely broke my heart. <laughs> to, oh, to look man. at that <laughs> which like if ab played all year and he was healthy maybe he would be yeah he played like a wide receiver one when he was healthy yeah. it's just like the way that it ended of course jamar chase top five wide receiver yeah. ab probably never going to play football again sour His taste preseason <laughs> drops helped me though yeah a lot yeah. i yeah. i am an lsu fan i love lsu i yeah. love jamar chase I even had some doubts coming into the year. I was like, I don't know. I was like, he hasn't played in a year. I said, he's coming into the league and he's had some drops in the preseason. It's scary. So I just didn't want to pull the trigger on him. And then obviously you pull the trigger on him and he had an explosive year. One of my biggest regrets ever. And I feel so horrible for talking so much trash about one of my LSU wide receivers and then him going out there and doing so great. So that was a great pick. So this next question is kind of a, a flip side play on the question that we asked of if you were destined to finish in second, would you rather keep it close or get crushed for the third and fourth place matchup? If you're in Kevin's shoes, is it more enjoyable to have barely beat out Nick or would you have rather destroyed him? Scott, we'll ask you first. No, I prefer a close matchup. I like that edge of the seat matchup, you know, that what was that point two, point twenty? Yeah, that, yep. that Zero is a little bit too close for me, but <laughs> I prefer I prefer to be that close. Yeah. It's just more enjoyable, more fun that way. I think I watch more fantasy on my phone than I actually do the NFL. Instead, paying attention to the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to be like that with fantasy baseball. I would just like kind of watch the stat cast and see if they racked year. up points. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Eddie? 
I think in this case, if I'm not destined to finish in any particular position, I would love it to be this close of a matchup. I think it's it's what fantasy football is made for, and I think these kind of matchups kind of show why fantasy football, you can love it or you can absolutely hate it. Obviously, in Nick's shoes, you absolutely hate fantasy football right now, but in Kevin's shoes, you're not on top of the world, but it's a really fun matchup to have against uh, against a guy you see every single day. So it's a fun one. Yeah, and that's kind of the driving force behind my answer, which is that if I'm Kevin, it's easily more satisfying to have barely squeaked out the win over Nick. Yeah. Uh, sure, he could have, you know, held the win over his head either way, but it makes it so much more, you know, so much worse for Nick when the difference was it could have been one single catch, it could have been a three-yard rush, it could have been a six-yard pass. That is the that's literally the difference in this matchup. And you mentioned it, Eddie, they work together. They see each other multiple times a week. And not only can Kevin hold it over Nick's head personally face to face, but he has an entire group of high school wrestling kids <laughs> to say, hey, guys, I beat Coach Nick. Who's the better fantasy football player? He can do that now <laughs> for an entire year. Yeah. So I would definitely, you know, yeah. if I'm Kevin, I love squeaking out that win over Nick. It's got to feel, it's got to feel a yeah. good comeuppance. Um, Next question. This is a little interesting, kind of tooting our, you know, my horn, my brother's horn a little bit, but trying to come up with some content for this week, you know, for our season recap. So last question on this matchup is, is there a falling off, i.e. a sub top four finish in the works for us injuries boys, me and Nick, since now this is the second year in a row where each of us has lost in the championship round in some capacity after, if you remember, 2018, I won the league. 2019, Nick won the league. Now, the last two years, like I mentioned, we've both lost in the championship round. Granted, third and fourth place matchup for Nick, championship matchup for me, but we haven't been able to finish on a win, in other words. What do you think, uh, Eddie? We'll ask you first. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I don't think you guys are going to fall off at all. I think you guys are very competitive and the way that you guys do fantasy football. And I think it's just going to motivate you just a little bit more coming into next year to make more moves and make sure that your teams are in stronger positions coming out of the draft. Um, so, no, I, I don't I don't see it coming at all. I'll kind of move the needle a little bit more, and I'll say I think maybe one of us won't finish in the top four next year, but I I really have a hard time seeing – both of us falling short of getting to one of the two yeah. matchups in the championship round. Like I, if you told me that next year, uh, Nick and I would both finish outside the top four, I would tell you that lightning probably struck, um, not to be cocky, but I just, I, I have that much faith in Stats. at least one of us Stats. getting there. What do you think, Scott? No, I mean, uh, somebody has to win it though. Right. And I've been in a basketball league and a baseball league with you two. And I can only go by what I've witnessed going back to last year. Um, but if someone said to me that Nick and Nate are not going to be a top contender fantasy football anymore, I, I just can't believe that for how competitive this league is. And I mean, no disrespect to anyone else in the league. But unless they're extremely lucky or they revamp their entire approach to fantasy, there's not too many who can match what you guys can do in a fantasy season. Um, I apologize if that pisses anyone off, but it's well known how good you guys are playing fantasy regardless what sport in what format but no god said y'all are some bots <laughs> yeah listen <laughs> no. and i me being one of those bots 
I don't take it personal. It's a fact. I mean, um, we're just kidding you, around. I mean, if it's what, yeah. three or four years now, you guys have been in top four. I just can't see all of a sudden you guys are going to drop off. And exactly. we know where you're coming from, Scott, because you, you're saying that you got lucky in your draft. You're coming out of the humble champion place. We know you're not trying to put any bad juju out there. But okay. Eddie, you had something to add? I was no. just. Okay. Yeah, I was just <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's move on from the championship week and finally give you our draft order preview. I know it's, it's not really like a draft order anymore because we switched it from now it's a lottery system where the order that everyone's name gets selected is the order that they can select their draft position from, Thought that was kind of a unique feature that we added this year. Hopefully everyone liked it and is wanting to bring it back this year. Cause that is our plan. But, uh, the, the odds in order are. Our twelfth our twelfth place finisher Kyron will get an eleven percent chance at getting his name pulled first to pick one through twelve, and all the non-playoff teams get the same odds. So I'll just read their finishes: Damon finished in eleventh, Lucas finished in tenth, Sean finished in ninth, Eddie finished in eighth, Jake finished in seventh. So all six of those guys will get an eleven percent chance for their name to be pulled first, or you know, if you know somebody gets pulled first, then their names get taken out. And then they would still, the five remaining non playoff teams would still have the highest odds, essentially. Our playoff teams get slightly lower as it goes down odds to get their name pulled first. So in sixth place, Mike, he gets 10% chance. Fifth place was JC, he'll get an 8% chance. Fourth place was Nick, he'll get a 6% chance. Kevin finished in third, he will get a 5% chance. I finished second, I get a 3% chance. And Scott finished. As our league champion, he'll get a 2% chance to get his name pulled first. Just a little impromptu question here for you, Eddie and Scott. If you were to get your name pulled first, what are you feeling just off the top of your head? What what draft spot do you like typically in a draft, in a snake draft, of course? Eddie, I'll ask you first. Uh, top three or last three? Nothing in the middle. Where are you at, Scott? Last three. Scott likes the turns. I mean, yeah. I guess you do too, Eddie, right? But yeah. top three picks. Uh, well, actually, let me ask you, Scott. Why do you say bottom three? Because I can see why Eddie says top three or bottom three likes the turns. But why the turn. do you? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. don't. You don't want like a top three. No. Okay. I, I, I don't like to have to wait another 18, 19 picks. Yeah. After your yeah. first player. Yeah, I can yeah, respect that. I like that. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Um, I actually don't really like the first, you know, two picks. I'm mostly good with anything after that, except for like six and seven. I hate being dead center. It's <sighs> like of the, draft. the worst spot to be because you can't it. plan for it. Yeah, no. You just, I mean, it, it can be a good thing on draft day. You can play value, but I, as far as like drafts, for those of us that are like kind of nutty about fantasy football and sit down for a couple hours before the draft and try to map out our strategy from like a sixth or seventh or even fifth, I guess spot, you can't really do much mapping because you've, you've no idea what, how it's yeah. going to unfold. Like Patrick this Mahomes year made it like, to pick yeah. eight. Yeah. Like nobody exactly. after the first two picks thought Patrick Mahomes is going to get to them. Yeah. So I'm sure that threw Jake for a whirlwind when he got to him. But uh, our next segment is, if you remember from last year's season recap, we started keeping track of league records. Going to do the same ones this year. Uh, we do have some new records, or I should say some records from last year that were broken and set as new records this year. 
The first one did not change from last year. It's best regular season win percentage. Scott, you are all over this record book, and the first one is no exception. You have a league best 769 win percentage, so winning 76.9% of your matchups last year. The Helmet in the Bush team, you finished with yeah. a 10 and 3 record last year in 2020. That did not get broken this year, although you did finish with a 75% win percentage this year. So got pretty close, nearly as good of a regular season for you. This uh, second record was uh, set this year and actually just this past week, which is pretty crazy. In the championship game, Scott, the Thundercats broke the record for the most team points in a single matchup with 231 or 238.1. I think my team previously held this record with 232 points in week seven of last year's season. So just some random regular season matchup. But Scott, your team lit the world on fire in the championship round. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, next record is not one that you want to be holding, but somebody's got to hold it. This one did not get broken this year. Like I said last year, I think I said this on the podcast. I don't know if this one's ever going to get broken. Um, in a two QB, two flex league, unless somebody just doesn't set their lineup, but it's least team points in a single matchup. Lucas, who was team play with my balls last year in week eight, he only scored 71.44 points in 2020. That is a dreadful. And he did start a full lineup. I did check that last year, which is pretty crazy. The next record also is from last year, did not get broken. And it's kind of funny saying this because it almost matches the total from Lucas's team in the, in the record that I just mentioned, but it's most points from an individual player in a single matchup. And Tyree Kill held it down 57.9 for, I believe it was your team last year, Eddie, week 12 of the 2020 that was, season. Uh, Derrick Henry that week also had like 50 something points. I would have won that matchup, but Derrick Henry, I'm pretty sure, put it over the top. I know Alvin Kamara had to have been close. I think, Scott, you got his yeah. six-touchdown game performance against Nick in the third and fourth yeah, place matchup last like year. 56-something. I'm not exactly yeah. sure the exact number. Yeah, and then obviously Jamar Chase got close this past week with our championship game. So a lot have been close, but nobody since we have been keeping track of these has outscored Tyree Kills 57.9. The next two records have been newly broken this year. And, you know, we could technically, I guess not for the last record, but for this one, we could technically even extend it a week, but I'm not going to because that probably wouldn't be fair. It's most points from a flex eligible player in a single season. So obviously there's still games going on this weekend. You could technically tally that, but we're not going to because that's not really fair. It's newly set by Cooper Cup, who scored 412.9. Uh, fantasy points. And I know that I mentioned a couple weeks back, or maybe it was last week that 2019 CMC outscored him. I think he had like 471 points or something like that. But again, we're only going back, uh, I guess this season and last season for our league records. So that is why Cooper cup holds the record with 412.9. The very last record again, set this year by Scott's team, the Thundercats, he had to make one more appearance in our record book is most regular season team points in a single season. Scott took it home with 2,248.34 points. And I think I had that previously with like 2,080 points last year. So congrats to Scott. Not only took home the title this year, but you littered our record book. And I think those are going to be some tough records to beat. I appreciate it. 
<laughs> yeah, we might have to add some. So if anybody has any record ideas, feel free to shoot them over to me. I'll definitely uh, be happy to add them. Let's get into our main segment. This is one that we similarly did last year for our season recap. I just called it season in review. And it's kind of like our playoff superlatives. I'm just going to kind of read off a title. You guys give me who you felt was the best candidate or the most deserving of this title. So we'll start with you, Eddie. And our first title is best draft value. And feel free to you know mention any of your honorable mentions as well. I think, uh, I think this one's a little obvious. Um, and I think it has to be for the kind of production that he gave. Obviously, any guy usually within the top three rounds, like you expect to have some type of contention to be a really good fantasy asset. But getting a guy like Cooper Cup, I want to say late in the fourth round, I think is when you picked him up. Fifth round. Fifth round, even better. Um, he absolutely demolished this year. I think for a fifth round pick value to get you wide receiver one fantasy value, and I want to say he finished his fantasy player number one this year mm-hmm. is absolutely ridiculous. Um, probably one of the best draft picks in best player wins history in terms of value compared to where they were drafted. So hats off to you. But yeah, that one right there is probably my number one. Scott, what about you? Same Cooper Cup. And you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Eddie pretty he much said everything. Yeah. Okay. I figured that you guys were going to talk about Cooper Cup. So I went a very, very non-traditional route with, with my pick for this. My best draft value was Hunter Renfro wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders. We haven't talked about him at all this year, but this is, to me, a story worth talking about. Hunter Renfro finished the season as a wide receiver one. He was wide receiver 11 overall, to be exact, after getting drafted in the 17th round, which is the second to last round of our draft. He wasn't, I mean, and and I, I think that this is a good thing. He wasn't carried to this finish by any huge games, he has played every single game this season, and out of all 16 that he's played, he has scored double-digit points in 13 of those 16 games, never scoring below six points, even in those three duds. Uh, there's obvious studs that you could go with here, but to me, Renfro was a dream pick. He is this year's James Robinson, in my opinion. Uh, honorable mentions, mine were Cooper Cup in the fifth round, Jamar Chase in the eighth round, Ebo Samuel in the tenth round, Leonard Fournette in the 10th round. There were a lot of great value picks, uh, but I felt like all those guys were worth mentioning, but I, I did want to try to go a different route. That was my list, actually. Really? I had Debo, Chase, Renfro, and Fournette. <laughs> That's funny. One through four. That's funny. Yeah. Exact same list. Eddie, any honorable mentions for you, or did we cover them all? Debo was on my list there, but yeah, other okay. than that, that's about it. All right, Scott, we'll let you lead off with Fantasy MVP. Cooper Cup, I mean, 412 points. And you, yeah, it has to be Cooper <laughs> Cup for me. Eddie, My, you're shaking your head. Yeah, it'd be stupid to literally say anybody else. I think the closest that comes to it is Jonathan Taylor because he had an insane year this year and he did really well. But it's Cooper Cup, I think, pretty easily. Again, yeah. I went in. Sorry, go ahead, Scott. No, I, yeah, it was Cup for me. Then I had uh, JT, Samuel, and Mark Andrews. Yeah. Okay. I try so to you, pick one from each position for my yeah. honorable mentions. I yeah. like that. I'm glad you guys didn't mention this guy in your list. I went in a, tr- a non-traditional route again. Um, I went with Jamar Chase. 
wide receiver for the Bengals. This is probably not the politically correct answer, but he checks nearly every box. So, you know, the, the kind of things that I went down the list for were, was he a value draft pick? Yes, he was absolutely drafted in the eighth round. Was he a top five player at his position? Yes, he was. Was he exciting to watch? Yeah, he was one of the most exciting in the league, given that he is only a rookie. And this was the big kind of pendulum swing for me. This is kind of the criteria that I selected Jamar Chase on. Was he a difference maker in our fantasy playoffs? Absolutely, he was. He was a big reason why Scott absolutely torched me in the championship game and why Scott took home the highest score in a single matchup record. So Jamar Chase is my pick, but my honorable mentions were kind of the same as what you guys mentioned, Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor, and Josh Allen. I like that that honorable mention of Mark, Mark Andrews, Scott. Didn't even yeah. look at the tight ends. I try to go with each position other than yep. QB, but yeah. And then our last kind of uh, season superlative is best waiver ad. I'll lead us off with this one. There were two very clear choices to me, and I went with the one who made an impact for a longer period of time, which for me was Cordero Patterson running back for the Falcons. Uh, This might be one of the best waiver ads of the last few years. Not only was Patterson a running back one when he took over as the primary running back in Atlanta, but he took over early enough to actually finish as a running back one overall on the season. Uh, He finished as running back seven on on the entire season. And for me, I kind of keep wondering, like, this is an interesting question to ask for, you know, going into next year, if this is one of those one hit wonder seasons, or if he's actually going to have anything left in the tank as a running back at that high level, that running back one, or even high end running back two level, because he is 30 years old, which is kind of ancient for a running back. Uh, And I did want to mention for Cordero Patterson, because I saw in his transaction detail Nick added him and then dropped him within 24 hours. So no, Nick, you're not allowed to claim that you had the best waiver ad. It was it goes to JC because he's the one that added him and kept him. <laughs> uh, Scott, who did you have as best waiver ad? Patterson. Same. Yeah. Okay. And I had you- Mitchell also, Elijah Mitchell, but I yes. would have to go. I would have to give it Patterson. Yep. He was a yeah, great. Yeah, I agree. Ad. I think with with kind of what you stated, Nick. Nick, oh my God, I was looking at Nick's name on the uh, on the waiver wire. Nate, um, I think with what you stated with kind of his impact throughout the entire year and kind of how well that he did, I think it was just a little bit of an easier choice to make. I mean, he absolutely went ballistic from like week two, pretty much all the way up until like week 12. He dropped off a little bit after that. He had one bad game in between there. But other than that, I mean, he, he did great. Yep. So we're all in agreement there. My honorable mention, and this is uh, apparently even Mike's guy more than Scott's guy, but it was Amon Ross St. Brown for him just going absolutely nuclear over the past month and a half to end the season. Any honorable mentions for you guys? No, outside of the top 10 fantasy wide receiver that you just mentioned that's going to get drafted next year, not (laughs) nothing else. (laughs) I had uh, Christian Kirk and Dalton Schultz, actually. I didn't even it's know. It's so Dalton hard Schultz. to find yeah. uh, find a tight end. I think he was what tight end four, tight end five, tight yeah. end five. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean, some, you draft that fifth, right. sixth round to get that, and yeah, pick him up on waivers. Some great value picks, but yeah, I was. I, I don't want to say I was having a hard time, but Amon Ross St. Brown, for as much as Michael, I think, is a little bit overhyping him. He was. He was one of the best players in fantasy football over the past five to six weeks. So he definitely deserved 
an honorable mention for me here. Let's kind of we've we've been alluding to next year's draft a little bit leading up to this, but we're going to devote an entire segment to it called Draft Risers and Fallers. Uh, and I'm going to ask you guys, where do you think these guys will go relative to where they went this year in next year's draft? So I have a list of potential risers, one at each position. And then I have a list of potential fallers. Again, one at each position. I'll let you know where they were drafted this year, where they finished this season. And I'll ask you where you think they might go next year. First one uh, on the potential risers is at the quarterback position, Kirk Cousins. So he was drafted with the seventh pick of the ninth round this year. And he finished the season as a QB1. He finished as QB11 overall. So, Scott, we'll go to you first. I know that this doesn't necessarily seem like he was a crazy value, but I was looking back at our draft recap, and it is astonishing how many quarterbacks were taken in the first four rounds. So Kirk Cousins, looking back, looked like a huge value finishing the year as a QB1 taken late in the ninth round. Where do you think he might go next year? Fifth or sixth round. I think then last year I picked up Tannehill, ninth round. Yep. So compared to that – yeah, fifth or sixth. I like that comparison too, because Tannehill played much better than I guess anyone was expecting last year. And I think that's roughly where Tannehill went this year. It was either end of the fourth round or I think maybe in the fifth round. Eddie, what are your thoughts on Kirk Cousins for next year? Yeah, I, I kind of have the same the same place. I could see him maybe moving up a little bit, maybe into the fourth round if somebody wants to go grab him. Um, it just really depends on who who's available and how many quarterbacks are gone by then. But I, I can see anywhere like four or five area. Now I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think Kirk cousins might be a free agent this off season. So landing spot could, if that's correct, landing spot could also play a factor in, you know, how high, how highly he is valued because on one hand, the Vikings are a very run heavy scheme or run, run heavy system. So people might give a bump if he were to go somewhere like, say Cleveland or Carolina or something where he might get the opportunity to pass more. But then other people might say he might be more exposed if, if they don't believe in the talent because he won't, he'll have to pass more. He won't have the run game to fall back on. He's actually in, he's staying till the end of next season. Then his okay. contract expires. So got it. So throw that out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for throwing that out there. Yeah. The, Second guy we have on the potential risers list, this was somebody from your team, Scott, Joe Mixon, who was taken with the third pick of the fourth round, but finishes a top four running back on the season. Uh, I'll go ahead and say, I think Joe Mixon has been a guy who a lot of people have believed in for a long time to the extent that every single year, it seemed like at least one person in every league that was drafting would take him early and then get burned by him this year. It seemed like he fell just enough where you could justify taking one more shot on him. And Scott, you were the guy that did it, pulling the trigger on him in the fourth round, paid off immensely for you. I think that this catapults Joe Mixon up to a top two round pick. That's where I would have him going into next year. Curious to hear where you would rank him, Scott. Top two. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Eddie, back what do you think? The second round. Yeah, that's what I that's what I think at, at the latest back half of the second round. Honestly, with the team that he's got constructed around him, I think it's a little easier for him to 
to not take on as much of a workload throughout the regular season. Obviously having Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, you know, that entire wide receiving core, that offense is doing really well. So it takes a little bit of a load off of him. So I think it's a little easier for managers to, to kind of reach a little bit more for him. And it's not really much of a reach. I mean, he, re- he finished as a top four running back, but mm. I could see him going kind of in the turn of the first round into the second round. And I know that they're not going to have a, a super high draft pick because the Bengals just won the AFC North, but you know for a fact that the Bengals are drafting offensive line this coming year yeah. because they passed on offensive line to take Jamar Chase this past year. So I would expect the situation, like you said, Eddie, will only get better with mm-hmm. the talent around him and with, you know, hopefully an improving offensive line. Yeah. Third guy on this list is a guy that Scott and I both mentioned earlier for best draft value. It's Hunter Renfro, who was taken with the fourth pick of the 17th round, finished the season as a wide receiver one. I still can't get over that. Yeah. Finished the season as a wide receiver one, Hunter Renfro. Um, where do you guys think he might go next year? This is going to be a, a really interesting debate for me on where to rank this guy. Eddie, we'll start with you. I think there's a lot of factors outside of Hunter Renfro himself and his performance that kind of will attribute to my answer. Uh, One being that there's no promise that Carr is coming back to Vegas. And I think that plays a pretty big portion in it. I think Carr made it uh, a reason to get him the ball. And I think Carr threw him the ball a decent amount. I think if Carr leaves, I think that hurts him a little bit more. Uh, But if we're going solely just on his production and how well he's been doing, I could probably see him jumping in at kind of like top 10 rounds pretty easily. Um, probably anywhere around like seven or eight. Uh, I think he can probably land next year. Scott, does that feel right to you? Or do you think that that's not aggressive enough for a guy who finished as a wide receiver one this year? Yeah. Production wise. Um, top six, the back half of the sixth round, I would pick him just until I see more. I mean, he has done pretty well. Not mm-hmm. what he's done this year, but yeah. Yeah, I I kind of fall in like, like this is going to sound ludicrous given the season that he just had, but like Cooper Cup, who before this season was kind of like on the verge of finishing as a wide receiver one for a few years in a row, had to compete with Robert Woods. You know, you have a similar situation there with Hunter Renfrew, you know, running routes in the same offense as Darren Waller. I would not necessarily have as much confidence in Hunter Renfro next year as I did drafting a guy like pre-2021 Cooper Cup just because the track record isn't as long. But I think, Scott, your range on that is pretty accurate. And I guess it's not really too different from Eddie's. You said seven or eight, Eddie. Yeah. Scott said back half of the sixth round. I think I'm between sixth and seventh round. I drafted Cooper Cup, obviously, pre-2021, coming into this year in the fifth round. I think for a guy with a little bit less of a track record, but similar boost in production, um, I would be comfortable taking Renfro sixth or seventh round range. That feels right to me as well. Uh, this guy is an obvious riser, Mark Andrews, who finished the year as tight end one overall. I can't believe that when Kelsey did not you know, get hurt at all this season. He was picked in the fifth round with the third pick. How high do we think Mark Andrews is going to be drafted next year? And do you think that he'll be the first tight end off the board? That's that's the second question that I'm deciding to add right now. Scott, we'll ask you first. You're the tight end guy. I don't think he will be. I think there's always going to be um, – Kelsey will probably always get drafted first. I can see third round, 
because wasn't Kelsey and Waller not first round? Didn't JC picked first and second, right? Uh, Kelsey was first round, and then I think Waller was third round. Yeah. I'm not sure who JC's. Uh, JC's second round pick, I think, was Najee Harris. Okay. But yeah, I would. Andrew's probably third round. So kind of in that, if you guys remember back to this season's draft, kind of in like the Waller Kittle range from 2021 draft season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. What do you think, Eddie? I, I think I kind of agree. Um, there's obviously a few pieces that I'm kind of curious about to see kind of like where he's going to go. I, I still think, in my opinion, probably top two rounds, to be honest. Um, it, it's going to be – I think someone's going to reach for him. I think JC had a pretty good amount of success with the two tight end option, and I think he'll probably do it again next year. Um, and I do expect – I do expect Mark Andrews to kind of get picked up, I think, within the first two rounds. It could be late in the second round, kind of in that turn, heading into the third round. But I don't know. He's a young guy. He's 26. That offense is really good. They're getting – uh, Dobbins back next year, which kind of gives him a little bit more of a free roaming ability in the tight end position. So I, I only see him sustaining his top three tight end um, ability. So yeah, probably somewhere within the first two rounds. Now, do you think he's going to be the first tight end off the board, Eddie, or do you think he has a chance? He has a chance. I think it's in the conversation. Kelsey's 32 years old. I think he's going to be 33 next year. He's getting a little older. Um, that offense is not getting any younger and obviously they're spending a lot of money on that offense. I think Kelsey will still be there. And I think he's easily in the conversation to be number one, if he will be number one, but I think Mark Andrews is going to give him a run for his money next year in the draft. Yeah. So the way I approached this question was actually not so focused on Mark Andrews, which is kind of funny. Like obviously Mark Andrews is going to get drafted before the fifth round next year after finishing the year as the number one tight end. What this year taught me is not necessarily to say like, hey, Mark Andrews finished his tight end one this year. I'm going to value him much higher next year. It kind of taught me that tight end is a little bit more volatile than I thought. Like Kelsey had a great year, finished his tight end two, but he was not deserving of, I think JC took him seventh overall. He was not deserving of being picked in the top seven. Darren Waller uh, obviously had a good you know, average points per game, but he finished as tight end 16 on the year. Kittle ended up being put on IR for a stint of the year. So like all of the top tight ends, aside from Mark Andrews, even TJ Hawkinson at the end of the year, let me down. It just seems like the position is where we thought before it was kind of like there are three guys and then it's a wasteland thereafter. You're just guessing. Now it seems like, yeah, there are more options for very solid or even elite tight end play. But it seems to me that spending a super early pick on tight end is just very risky. Like that's kind of what I took away from this season. So given that, I want to say Mark Andrews should not go earlier than the third round. And I don't think really any tight end should go before the third round next year. I mean, I'm sure people will take them, but it seems like seems to me like the risk outweighs the reward, given that Mark Andrews was not, you know, like a top 10 player in fantasy this year. Any thoughts to add to that, guys? No, I mean, I, I, I semi-agree. I, I do think that obviously the top three tight ends kind of stayed pretty consistent of who they were going to be. I think coming into the year, there's only one guy that's not really in the conversation, and it's obviously Hawkinson, but he got hurt. 
Um, but those top three guys coming into the year, they were kind of expected to be Andrews, Kelsey, and Kittle. Obviously, health is an issue with Kittle, so that's kind of a question mark. Kelsey and Andrews kind of sustained their value, and they both performed at, as probably they should have. Um, I still think that there's some value. I wouldn't say first round. I think there's way more value in the first, probably first and like one and a half rounds outside of that. But when you start getting into like that second half of the second round, I think there's some players there that you can probably look and compare values and say, okay, I think I'd be comfortable taking tight end one Mark Andrews here over another guy, maybe a wide receiver, a wide receiver one, but ranked at like 11. It's like there's, I think there's, you can play around with a little bit more kind of towards the tail end of the second round but I, I don't think you should take a tight end inside the first like round and a half though. So, yeah, that's fair. The consensus top three coming into this year were definitely Kelsey Kittle and Waller, not Andrews. Yeah. I think Andrews and Hawkinson were probably like four, a four B. I feel like that's how most people probably rank them ahead of the 2021 season. Scott, any closing thoughts on, I guess, Mark Andrews in particular, we are going to come back to the tight end conversation here with our fallers list, but anything no. on Mark Andrews? No, I agree. Okay. With you. Yeah. Potential fallers. So again, we'll start with quarterback. And my pick was Russell Wilson, who was drafted with the ninth pick of the second round. Obviously, he got hurt for a stretch of the season. But nonetheless, that does depress player value um, for particular situations. And I think it's appropriate for him here. Finish the quarter or finish the season as quarterback 16. So I think it's safe to say he's not going to get taken in the top two rounds next year. But how far does he fall in your opinion, Scott? I don't think he's going to fall that much. Maybe the bottom half of the third, but I can't see him falling that much. Just given the Not panic to get quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right, given just kind of the rush, the panic of our league to get quarterbacks fast. I think maybe we could see him go in the fourth round, but I doubt it. Eddie, where are you thinking? I guess, Eddie, I'll ask you... Where do you think he'll go? Where do you think he deserves to go? Because those could be two different answers. I think he'll still go probably within the first two rounds. Obviously, there's like a lot of talks about him not even returning to Seattle and going somewhere else. I think that's going to play a big portion into what weapons he has around him and where he's going. But he's probably going to go around the same place that he went. But I just I don't think you pick him anything before. I don't know, probably late third round, kind of like Scott said, early fourth round. I think that's probably where he deserves to go. But he's he he has a very long track record of being a very productive fantasy quarterback. Yeah. So I don't want to go overboard and say that he should go way behind some of these other guys. But Russell Wilson, I don't I don't think should be you know like a top twenty pick such as he was this year in next year's draft. The next guy, this is an interesting one to talk about because he was a top five pick. And Eddie, this is your boy. Saquon Barkley, who was taken with the fifth pick overall of the draft by Kevin. He finished the season as running back 32. I think my bold prediction on our like first or second episode is that he would finish the year as top in top three points per game for the running back position. Obviously, a total, <laughs> totally freezing cold take. Yeah. Uh, finished the year outside the top 32. Where do you think he will go next year? Late second round, even this year coming into the draft, I didn't think he should have been drafted in the first round at all just because coming off of an ACL injury, the Giants offense isn't that great. It's just not, it's not good for him at all. So 
I think that somebody will probably take him, to be honest, somewhere right after the turn, like probably the, the next like three picks after the turn this upcoming year. But I don't think he should be taken until at least the third round, I think. Like I value him that much later in the draft. I think there's a lot more healthy, valuable running back options out there. So, Scott, where are you at on Saquon Barkley? Early third. Yeah, I, I don't know how anybody can pick him up, draft him first round, even second round. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm always late when I pick up my running back, so I'd be happy if somebody leaves him there for me, take a chance on him, like Mixon. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, I think the value in the third round, I think it's, it's good. He's an RB1 yeah. for the team he's on. He's going to get the touches. So it's like, okay, like if you're in the third round, you're like, all right, Saquon's there. I think you scoop him. But anything before that, I, I just wouldn't risk it. He didn't have Daniel Jones either for a while. So yeah, yeah. that took away some of his pass catching right there. So, yeah. Now, I know that this is not part of our planned outline, but I, I have to, now that I'm remembering, bring up Christian McCaffrey, who is the number one overall pick. He's played now like less than 10 games over the past two years. I'll ask both of you very quickly, where should he go? Where do you think he'll go? Eddie, where, where should he go? Where do you think he'll go? I think he should go where I had Saquon last year. Like, probably not even in the first round. Obviously, it's kind of insane. It's Christian McCaffrey, but like you just pointed out, he hasn't really played a whole lot of games in two years. So I, I think very late first round, like right around the turn or maybe early second round. I think that's where he should go. He will probably go within probably the top four or five picks. Scott, what do you think? Uh, late first, early second. Between six and seven, six, seven, eight. Okay. Between six and nine, one, nine. So you would say you guys are both kind of in that 12 to 15 ranges where he should go, but you think he'll go somewhere between, let's say, four and eight to nine. Okay. Yeah. That sounds reasonable to me on, on both fronts. Um, the ne- this next guy, out of all of our potential fallers, this is really the only guy that I could see absolutely pitfalling. Um, based on how he produced this year. Allen Robinson, wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. He was picked with the last pick of the third round this year. And what an absolutely abysmal season. He finished as wide receiver 83. And that's with playing over half the season. So, Scott, I'll ask you first. Are you, like, what at what point in the draft would you give a shot to Allen Robinson? Until I need to uh, fill a roster spot. That's about it. The way he performed, I, I don't think I want to waste a pick, honestly. Not until I have to fill my roster. My so bench. he's he's he is a bench player for Scott. What for about me, you? Right, yeah. Yeah, at this moment with the quarterback inconsistencies in Chicago and them just not knowing what their situation is, I think that plays a really big part in it. Like he had a different style quarterback out there every week. Uh for the most part. So it was kind of inconsistent for him. So I mean, obviously that doesn't help much. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if I could take him as a starter at all, or even as a flex position player coming into next year, it would have to be he's a like free a, agent, right? You got franchise tag this year. And I, I think he's been franchise tag. Well, I think for like this past season, he got franchise tag. I think he might've been franchise tag for the past two years in a row. So I'm not sure what their plan is with him. Maybe they tag him again. I don't see why they would with the way that he performed, whether it was his fault or not. So, yeah, I guess that could be a good point. Depending on landing spot, you know, we'll see where Allen Robinson is ranked next year. I think 
he's the kind of guy and i'm wrong about the draft a lot, a lot like i'm pretty good at trading but i'm not by any means a draft extraordinaire but i feel like he might be one of the guys that i would get kind of excited about taking a shot on as like a flex two player like a bounce back candidate so maybe for me i guess that would be like eighth or ninth round is where you'd probably draft flex two but we'll see we'll see it could definitely depend on where he lands he is going to be a free agent next year so for sure so. yeah like yeah if, once you get tagged just like like for example chris godwin i think got tagged this year they're all mm-hmm. anybody that gets tagged is a free agent the next year unless they get tagged again which is not common um the last player of this segment is from the tight end position of course it was a consensus top three guy and honestly i feel like toward like draft day when people were actually having to make the decision in the room it seemed to me in most leagues that he was going ahead of Kittle, uh, even though they were kind of in flux between number two and three all draft season. It's tight end Darren Waller, who was taken with the seventh pick of the third round. He finished the season as tight end 16, mostly due to time missed from injury, but it still kind of begs the question, where in the grand scheme of things do you feel comfortable saying that Darren Waller should go next year? Eddie, again, I'll go to you. Probably... Anything after like four and a half round five. Um, I think that's where if I look at it, you need a tight end that has a lot of potential and a, a upside and you need to fill your tight end spot. I think Darren Waller is the guy to go, but I wouldn't take him anything before like the fourth or fifth round. Anything after that I'd be comfortable with. Scott, are you going right back to the well with, with like a third round, third round grade on no, him? Or are I'd you go, kind of with Eddie? I'd probably agree with Eddie. Maybe top four though. It all depends on who, what tight ends were drafted before him. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely taking Andrews and Kittle before I would take Waller at this point, but yeah. So obviously Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle go ahead of him. Do you start to question, you know, Waller or TJ Hawkinson, or are you still pretty easily pulling the trigger on Waller? Okay. Hawkinson. I really would. So yeah, he's, I mean, it's not a pitfall like Allen Robinson, but for a guy that, at least in my eyes, seemed to be the number two tight end consensus in draft season this year, dropping down to like fifth. I'd say that's pretty decent movement for a position as scarce as tight end. I, I think I, I will say this. Go ahead. Go ahead, Eddie. I will say this. I think if Carr leaves and they bring a rookie, t- a rookie quarterback in or a young quarterback in, I think his stock might still be pretty high for me. I think it's pretty proven that young quarterbacks love the tight end position and they will target the tight end position. Like look at uh, Mark Andrews when Huntley came in. I mean, Mark Andrews was getting the ball like every other play. Um, And I mean, when Lamar came in, that was the first year that Mark Andrews came onto the scene. He was tight end too. Yeah, exactly. So I think it really depends on the quarterback situation. I think if Carr is still there, probably four or five. I think if they bring a young guy in or a rookie, I'd probably take him around the same value just because I feel like that rookie's probably going to get him the ball a lot. So he's quarterback proof to you, whereas Renfro might not be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. I like that point. That's, that's all I had planned for this uh, season recap episode. Um, Thanks everyone for joining us this season. I don't even, like I was telling Scott and Eddie before the episode, I don't even know how many of you guys listen to this every week, but for whoever does, We appreciate it. We make this for you guys as well as for ourselves, right? Like we do have fun with this, but thanks for tuning in. Thanks for making the league great in terms of the actual fantasy play itself. You guys make it a very 
highly competitive league, very fun to play in. So we appreciate it on that front as well. But at this point, I'll open up the floor to our league champion. If you don't have anything to say, Scott, that's completely fine. But if you did want to share something as the newest member to the circle of winners, now would be the time. Uh, no, not really. I just want to say thank you. Uh, you guys didn't know who I was, really. I mean, you knew I was Michael's uncle. That's about it. Uh, so <laughs> thanks for taking a chance on me, really. And yeah, appreciate everything. I really do. And I have now, fun. I now a proven dog at fantasy. Exactly. <laughs> Eddie, anything from you? Uh, just thank you to everyone. It's been a really good season. Obviously, we kind of had our ups and downs throughout this year, but I really appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast. I appreciate Nate for coming back to the podcast and helping me out. Scott, thank you for coming on. Um, we really appreciate it. You being in your second year and winning a championship really sets a precedent in this league that it's a, it's a, it's a big league and it's hard to win this league. Uh, so you coming in here and kind of doing it in your second year and even your first year doing really well. Um, really establishes how great this league is. Um, and it's probably one of the best additions in terms of managers that we've made in this league. Um, so again, congratulations, congratulations with your victory. Uh, congratulations, Nate, obviously second place has a little bit of a sour taste in the mouth, but it's still a great achievement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, thank you everyone for listening this year. I really appreciate it. Um, and we'll be back next year. Yeah.